Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through, and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's, it's the, the Arner Adventures, Adventures Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Shannon. And I'm Jerry. Betty White, our golden girl, is hanging somewhat with us. She found herself a sunspot, and so she's looking at us, but she's in the other room. We 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 know that she means well, and she means to be involved here, but we are back for episode 59 of the Arner Adventures podcast. 59. That's right. Uh-huh. Well, today we have a Spark in Our Lives episode, and we cannot wait to get to her, but before we do, we want to share a recent review with you because... These reviews are also sparks in our lives. Today's review comes from Andre Lewis. Andre says, each episode helps to add value to what it means to have an improved quality of life, encouraging us to live and experience life through what we truly want for ourselves, no matter what others think. The guests have always added value. I find myself quite often thinking about what my answer to the question about a life well lived will be. The podcast is a refreshing addition to my podcast rotation. It should be to yours too. We were just amazed at this review. Oh, yeah. I mean, Andre, what? Sometimes they come just at the right time. Mm -hmm. You need that little boost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, came with the morning coffee this morning. And, oh, man, it was just uh, a nice little way to start the day. It really was. And so, Andre, thank you so much for doing that. I mean, we appreciate the five-star reviews and ratings, but then to go into depth about it and all of that, it was just so nice. And if you are listeners, first of all, thank you for being here. But if you could take a moment and give us a five-star review or rating and the platform you're listening to us on, it means more than you could even possibly know. Well, hey, let's get to our guest today. How about it? Yeah, our guest is Kat Pulsinelli. Kat is a true inspiration. She's a survivor, an entrepreneur, and is just so motivational. We should just, yeah, we should just go ahead and get to it, right? We should get to it. Okay. We're ready? Yeah, we're ready. Nice. Our guest today is Kat Pulsinelli. Kat was in an abusive relationship for eight years. She was a single mother of two boys and started life over at age 26 with only a job. After having her personality and identity stripped away, she learned how to find it and put it back together. Kat now has two teenagers and is married to the man of her dreams and her best friend, yay. She dove into being an entrepreneur and works with other entrepreneurs to build their businesses the way it works for them through systems organization, and growing their mindset. Speaking my language, I love that stuff. Kat, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) I am too. I am too. Um, We're going to get into a little bit of your story, uh, but I know that you love talking about mindset and all that as much as we do. So I'm super excited about that. I'm also really amped to talk to a female who has been through, not that I'm excited you went through it, but I I like seeing females who and women who come out on the other side. I've talked about this before on the podcast that my mom and my dad went through, you know, a pretty terrible divorce when I was little and she raised my brother and I alone. And so when I read your backstory, it it really, it, it, um, I relate it a lot to it, just kind of experiencing that. So I love the path that you're on and I'm so excited about talking about it. Well, thank you. And I appreciate it. And and I do, I don't see it as um, a regret or something that I, you know, wish that I wouldn't have went through. Obviously, I wish my kids wouldn't have been there to be through it. But I do believe that sometimes certain people do go through things in order to be that strength for other people. And I really do believe mm. that uh, I was 
supposed to encounter things like this so that I could be the voice for others and to help others who don't necessarily feel like they have that strength yet to be able to move forward on their own. It's interesting you say that we, that's sort of a common thread with guests, but we had someone on the podcast, uh, Kevin Lowe, he's blind and he, he was blind as a result of a brain tumor and surgery and just some things. And so he, he kind of, you know, when you hear his story and someone who's gone through a lot of tragedy or uh, tough times, you know, your heart goes, oh gosh, like, why do those things happen? And one of the things that he said was, I, I feel like I went through that so that, and I'm going through this so that I can help others. So hearing you say it, it's like, oh gosh, first of all, I, I want to talk about, you know, your journey and then what, how you help others exactly. But you know, we talked about how you started your life over at age 26. You were in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. First of all, what was there a catalyst where, where you were like, this is enough? You had two little boys. What what made you decide you were going to go ahead and get out of that relationship? Because I think that's a tough thing for a lot of people. I have to say for me, um, because there was a lot of emotional abuse. So there was a lot of um for lack of better terms, what my brain, what my therapist said at the time, uh, brainwashing. So, and that's why I talk about the loss of my identity, because you do get to a point to where, especially when you're in a narcissistic relationship, where everything that you say is twisted in a way that your brain is like, okay, wait a minute. Did, is that true? Did I really do that? Right. So it gets to a point to where you constantly fight with yourself so much that it's just easier to believe what that person is saying. Um, and that happens over time, obviously, right? It's not something that happens immediately. Um, but in it, and the isolation helps with that. I was very isolated. I lost all my friends. I actually, actually lost contact with my family for almost four years. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, so there was an extreme isolation. Now, I was always the one that worked. Um, but I, for me, work was like my escape. So I just focused on my job, focused on my patients or whatever it was that I was doing. And I never brought it up to anyone because it, it became a normal to me. Right. So, um, about two years before I, um, finally got out, um, I started noticing that my boys were repeating some of the same things that he were. And mm -hmm. when I was, when I got away, my kids were um, 10 and seven. So just a, you know, a couple years before that. Um, and we were having this huge argument one night and um, I always try to keep it away from my kids, but obviously in a small house and stuff, um, they were involved or they heard the screaming. And I remember one night, both of them came out of the room and they were standing beside him. And my oldest one was like, yeah, mom, it's your fault. And I don't know why that is what clicked for me, but it did. And that was like my realization of, holy crap, like I can handle the way he talks to me, but that means I'm raising my children to be that way too. And I don't know why that was the one thing that hit me so hard, but like that was the game changer for me. Like that was the whole reason for like questioning things, learning more about why he was treating me the way I was finding small times to ask questions quietly and start regaining my confidence was because I realized I didn't want my children to be that way. Oh, isn't it interesting that instead of, and yeah, I'm, we, we don't have kids. So here I am talking about in this <laughs> way, but I do, when I'm thinking about like self-care and, and, you know, there's the whole um, adage about, I mean, would you talk to a best friend the way you talk to yourself? And I, mm -hmm. what I'm thinking is it's interesting that it took your kids to make you realize it instead of you seeing it. But I think that's so common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so easy, in my opinion, to um, discount your own thoughts and go along with the beliefs of others. It, it really is. Um, and so that was it. I do feel like if it wasn't for my boys, there is a possibility I would have stayed longer because I am a strong person. So I, I feel like, oh, I can handle that. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be fine. Right. Um, but seeing that is the, was the turning point. Right. So when you, you know, you did talk about your identity being stripped away when you got out of that relationship, did it take a lot of 
uh, work through therapy and all of those things to sort of get it back? Or what, what was the time span of you working on yourself to get your personality and your identity back? Oh gosh. Um, I would love to say that I, you know, worked on it as soon as I got out. Um, I, (laughs) I did what I believe most people did or do. And that is I, um, when I got out, uh, I moved back in with my family into one bedroom with both of my kids and I had to buy my first car, had to buy my first cell phone. Um, but I had a job. So I compartmentalized everything. So when I was at work, my focus was work, right? And that was, that was my job. That's what I needed to do. When I came home and I needed to be with my kids, that's what I needed to do. I was with my kids. I did what my kids needed to do. And then um, because I was never, never able to finish my college degree, I put myself back in college. So I went Mm. to an online school in the evening, um, because I was determined to finish my degree. So that's what I did after my kids went to bed. So I didn't really deal with a lot of things that I should have in the beginning. Now I made sure that my kids were in counseling or in therapy and that they were taken care of. Um, I had a lot of nights where after everyone went to bed, like I broke down, um, even being happy to be out of the situation, not sleeping in a bed with someone, not having someone to be close to, um, looking back on it now was a huge piece. Like I remember crying myself to sleep countless nights and then being mad at myself for crying myself to sleep because I didn't have that person. Right. Even though I hated him at that time. So Um, I did finally get into therapy. That's when I figured out that I had PTSD because I had realized that, um, when I would drive down certain areas, certain roads and things that we had been through, like I would have flashbacks Yeah. and, um, it would cause at the time, but I didn't know that it would cause panic attacks. So, um, but again, very strong willed, I can figure this out. I'm not going to worry about it kind of thing. I kind of boxed everything down. And, um, so I didn't go to therapy for probably the first year. I did not go to therapy. I just focused on my kids, my work and my school point blank period. And I then got into the role of people pleasing. So anything anyone needed for me, I was there. Like, I don't know how I did all the things that I did because I was constantly doing for other people. If my friend needed something, sure. I'm going to go help. If my parents needed something, sure. Let me go help. Right. Um, My weekends were tied up with making up for all the things my kids and I never got to do. So we would go out hiking and we would go check things out and do this stuff because we weren't really allowed to leave the home. So I focused everything on everything externally and I left myself in a box. This episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. We are big on productivity tools. When someone asks me what top productivity tools I recommend, one of the first is Flowdesk. Flowdesk is an email marketing platform that just makes things so much easier. We used to use MailChimp, but when I started doing a little bit more research, I found that Flowdesk makes email marketing more personal, it's less expensive, it's more aesthetically pleasing, and takes less time to implement. When I work with digital marketing clients, the first thing I recommend is that they make the switch to Flowdesk. There are so many beautiful layouts, workflows, and makes the recipient experience much more pleasant, which is what we all want. If you're looking to make a change to your email marketing platform, I highly recommend Flowdesk. I have a 50% off link for you to use. Head over to arnoradventures.com slash Flowdesk. Give Flowdesk a try if you like it, which you're going to. You can save some money on your subscription. It will be linked in the show notes too. It's arnoradventures.com slash Flowdesk. And now back to the show. What ended up happening from that, um, the first year um, anniversary, I guess, of getting away from him, I started having chest pains while I was at work and trouble breathing. And it would just happen randomly, but it would happen like four or five times a day. So I talked to the doctor that I was working with and he was like, you need to go see a specialist. So I wore a heart monitor. I had an EKG. I had a scan done the whole nine yards. Um, They told me I had a thousand extra heartbeats within a 24 hour period. Uh, But my heart was healthy and they had no clue why. And so the doctor just said, look, if you have a lot of stress that you're dealing with or that you're going through, it can be causing these issues. That's when I got into therapy. And then that's when I found out that I had PTSD and anxiety (laughs) um, and all these things that I had never really kind of wanted to accept. It is amazing to me how often 
our stress and anxiety, and it happened to me too, stress and anxiety and all of those things you can push, push, push because it's a way of survival to keep busy Mm -hmm. and keep moving, but it will catch up and your body, it it affects you so uh, much physically that you just are not counting on. And Mm -hmm. when it does, if you're someone who, you know, ignores it or pushes it away, it, it rises pretty heavily and it will be, and I always hear that. And it happened to me too, that it, it hits you in a way that you're like, okay, I can't ignore this anymore. So it's yeah. interesting to hear you say that happened to you as well. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too, because I, I tell people now uh, looking back that I'm like, you, you have to find a safe space to process all the things that you've been through um, from a scientific standpoint, one trauma that happens in your life can take years for the body to actually deal with and be able to release. Yeah. Now think of someone that's been in a traumatic relationship or in a traumatic car accident, right? Or something that's happening on a regular basis. And then think of how long that really is taking your body and all you're doing is shoving it down and ignoring it and trying to do other things. What ends up happening and what I realized was it ends up coming out at the worst moments, right? It comes out when you're in a relationship because you don't know how to handle it because someone said something that triggered you before because it's something you haven't dealt with. Your kids say something. I found myself down the road lashing out at my kids. My oldest one and I would butt heads tremendously, like just yelling matches. And it actually wasn't until I got into a relationship for, um, for several years that I realized something needed to change. Um, I thought I was doing good. I was working. I was in a different environment. I had been to therapy and decided I was done with that. Um, and, but I was, things were still happening. I was still having arguments with the person I was with at the time. I was still arguing with my kids and getting tremendously angry with things like that. I would still break down on my way home if I heard a certain song or something. So um, that's probably about four years later is when I really was like, okay, something's not right. And I, uh, funny enough, I was in a mom's group and there was a lady that was doing free facials (laughs) to get her esthetician degree. And I was like, Ooh, I've never done anything for myself. I'm going to go do that. And, um, she started talking about the law of attraction and things of that nature. And she introduced me to a group that I got involved with, but what it ended up doing is it, brought a different perspective on how I saw things and how um, my mind dealt with things. And there were a lot of people that talked about limiting beliefs and stuff like that. And so then I was just like, I dove into everything. I started learning about what limiting beliefs were. Um, I had a therapist that recommended a book about codependency, which I, I read about and realized that it was something that I was doing in my current relationship as well, because of all the things that I had been through. And once I really started diving into that, I started realizing what I actually wanted and what was still part of the old piece that I was trying to let go. Um, that ultimately ended up being in splitting off from the person I was in started over again. <laughs> um, yeah. After four and a half year relationships, I sold my house to him. I broke off my engagement. I moved back into an apartment. I started over with my kids. Um, and at that time I um, got into the entrepreneurial world and I started in real estate so that I could spend more time with them. But that's when I really started doing more of a deep dive on myself and realizing that therapy for me wasn't working. I needed to go inside. I needed to start asking myself internal questions and start having a conversation with myself and get comfortable with being alone Mm -hmm. with myself so I could deal with the thoughts and process through those beliefs that I still had. Right. Do you feel like uh, you're still on that journey or do you feel like you're, you're doing, I mean, it's always a journey, but do you feel like you're still sort of in the thick of it? Or are you able to say, okay, I got past it. Like I'm doing pretty well now. I do feel like I am doing very well. Um, It is still a struggle at times. Um, I still have things that come up, things that bother me. Even um, to this day, there are certain things that like my husband can make a joke and something will like trigger me. It won't get me frustrated. I can feel the emotion, but I know how to separate that emotion now 
from how I am actually feeling, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. So it's yeah. like, I know it's coming on, but I'm able to like stop it and be like, okay, why, why is that happening? Where did that come from? And normally I'm able to tie it back to, oh, well, it's because you went through this or it's because at this time, this is what happened. So this is what it reminds you of. What I have gotten in the habit of doing is when that happens, um, either one making note of it for a conversation later or talking to my husband about it right then and there. And what I tell him is, I don't need you to change. I don't need you to watch how you say things like you're fine. Please continue being you. I'm letting you know, because this is how I'm learning to process it. So if I can talk about it, if I can tell you what happened, then that allows me to make it a story instead of it being an internal belief. So it's a way for me to start learning to separate the two. Uh, If you don't mind me asking, how are your kids with in, in the aspect of like a a PTSD type thing? And let me, let me set this up. The reason I'm asking this, (laughs) I still, I'm a full grown woman and there are times I can sit in a restaurant or I, I don't know, be anywhere. And I can hear a song and I will feel like physically sick to my stomach. And Jerry is, you know, like Rain Man. He can, he knows dates, he knows everything. And I'll say, <laughs> when is this, when is this song from? Like what? And he can tell me the year it's from. And every time it happens, it's within the same year or two. And it was when things were really bad with my parents. And I didn't, of course, at the time, I'm just, that's life. That, that's mm-hmm. my world. And I don't feel, I feel like I'm, like I've been through lots of therapy and worked on myself for years and I never felt like that affected me very much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, of course it did. And so, especially when my body can get, you know, physically sick over hearing a song. So now I'm just thinking about that and thinking about your boys and they might not even realize how much it affected them, but how are they now? So it, It was a process. Um, My kids are now 18 and 15. So through that journey, um, when I really started leaning into learning about myself, it was very hard at first, but I started trying to explain some to my kids. Um, My oldest one is the one that it affected the most um, because he was in such critical years when I was in that relationship. They say that we are human sponges from the ages of like five to eight, right? Or yeah. six to 10, we're in that, in that range. So it affected him the most. Um, so there was a lot of, especially with him, like disconnect or anger that he was not able to process. And for the longest time, because I was not processing it, we just butted heads. Over the last few years, um, I have really tried to talk to him more, explain to him more and tell him, look, this is the reason why I'm going through what I'm going through. So if you are having these same feelings, this is probably why. And this is how I dealt with it. Now, you can choose to deal with it or not deal with it. But what I'm telling you is this is what happened to your mom when she didn't deal with it. And so I always preface with, please don't do what your mom did which is wait until she's in her thirties to start dealing with the anger and the anxiety and the depression, learn from me and Mm -hmm. start working on it now. So I really, in the last several years have tried to flip the switch on my parenting um, to allow my boys the space to come to me and have a conversation, to come to me and talk about what it is that's bothering them. Um, to have the space of when my oldest one does get really angry, instead of continuing, I will allow him to be like, I can't handle you right now. And I'm like, okay, 10 minute break and walk away. And because of that, he now has the skills to where I can actually see him get frustrated and then watch him calm himself back down mm. to continue the conversation. And there are still times where he still gets really flared up and he's like, I, I can't right now. And I'm like, okay, fine. We'll talk about it later. Right. But that's totally different from the way I was parented and the way I used to parent my kids, right. Where it was, well, don't worry about that or stop being like that. Right. I've learned since I've learned how to deal with my own emotions on how to give that to my kids, because one of my biggest goals was one, 
for my children not to turn out like my ex and mm. two, for my children to be emotionally capable to handle things a lot better than what I did when I was their age. And I tell my kids all the time that I do apologize that mom was in the process of healing and I had not healed and I was still trying to parent. Yeah. So I was parenting from an unhealed space in being vulnerable with my kids and bringing those conversations up and allowing them to ask questions to an extent. Cause my oldest one, um, especially, uh, always wants to know, like, what did you go through? Why did this happen specifically right now? I'm like, it's not your job to know all of your mom's problems. Right. I can give you the information and the ways that I handled it, but it's not your burden to know everything that I went through because then you're just going to ruminate on it. Right. Right. Um, so it's really helped him, especially in the last like year, I've started noticing, um, that even though mom repeats herself 10,000 times, I feel like um, it's starting to sink in, right? So like, I, we haven't yelled at each other in over a year. We have conversations. We may have disagreements, but I've learned to keep my hands behind my back if I need to and calmly speak and speak under his tone so he'll bring his back down. It's something that has taken a lot of time. Um, my youngest one, I think, has been affected a lot differently because one, he was younger, so he doesn't remember as much. Um, but two, he, um, up till recently was still very heavily involved with his father. So the narcissism was still there. There was mm -hmm. still someone in his ear telling him that I did this and I did that. That was probably the hardest piece right there was finding common ground and not discounting what he was hearing but finding a neutral place to be like, well, that's how your dad says that it went. And I know that you were young, so you probably don't remember it. But when you're older or when you're ready, we'll have a conversation. Right. right. And I've always left that door open so that I'm not putting his dad down as well, because then I, I always felt like he would never have a safe place to come to. Yeah. To be able to deal with things. Yeah. Um, and recently he's really been noticing like how his father treats him, how his father treats his, his wife. And he has now come to me and started asking questions. And why does he do this? And I'm like, well, um, and so I always go back to like, this is what a definition of a narcissist is, or this is what gaslighting is. And th these are the mm -hmm. things that unfortunately you're dealing with. Um, my youngest one dealt with anxiety issues for a little while because he's a lot more reserved and he keeps things in. And so as hard as it is for a mom to watch him go through that, he needed to process those things and learn to open up and start asking questions so that he could be through his own healing journey. I right. think with a lot of us as parents, and I know I did this for the longest time too, we want to protect our kids so much that we like put this blanket over them to try and fix everything. But what we forget is that we're not here to protect them from everything. We're here to give them pathways that they can take and leave those doors open for them to make their own choices. And then based on those choices, have a conversation around, well, did it work out for you because you did this right? And teach them trial and error and problem solving skills so that when they do get older and they do get out into the world, they do have a better understanding and they're not running around blind. And that's right. something that I've really tried doing over the last few years of my kids is um, I tell them I'm not trying to mother you. What I'm telling you is from experience. Right. I went through this. This is what you're going through. These are the similarities um, with my youngest one. Like I had anxiety. I know exactly what you're feeling. I gave him like mom can't breathe. You feel like something's on your chest. So like I was able to relate and then I'm like, okay, this is what I used to do. I would do breathing techniques. I would do this. And then I'm like, you can try it. If you choose not to, it's going to continue to get worse. The choice mm -hmm. is yours. But my kids are old enough to where I've really learned to tell them, like, the choice is yours. This is what the outcome could be, but you could do it this way, and this is what could happen as well. Make your choice. This episode is brought to you by Dan and Dan. If you're a longtime listener, you've probably heard us tell you before that about two to three CBD brands 
reach out to us every week. It wasn't until we started digging into the research that we learned CBD isn't always CBD and they're not all the same. Dana Dan Hempworks makes organic hemp flower infusions. Dana Dan's products support our daily routine by helping to manage daily stress, promote healthy sleep, provide caffeine-free energy, and recover from activity-related stiffness and soreness. They also have CBD hemp flower infusion specifically designed for pets, which is great for Betty White. She uses it every day. Head over to ArnerVentures.com slash Danadan hyphen hempworks to grab our amazing discount code and link. That's ArnerVentures.com slash Danadan dash or hyphen hempworks. It's also in the show notes. Now back to the show. Right. Right. And then I allow them to own that choice. And right. it's been interesting to see such a shift from constantly asking questions or looking for mommy to handle it to like my oldest one the other day came to me. He was like, hey, I know I've screwed up recently. I know I haven't been doing right. I need to change. And I know that I realize that if I keep going this direction, I'm not going to go down the, the right path. Will you help me? And I'm like, of course I will. So mm. but it's. It's teaching them how to have those skills to move forward in life, mm -hmm. um, which I'm very proud to say that I'm starting to see that because yeah. ultimately it's our jobs to teach our kids how to live in this world. It's not our jobs to hold them and coddle them so that they don't know how to handle situations that are going to hit them right. in the face when we're not around. Right. And you're putting those tools in place for them to be able to handle things later, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay. So you're, you come out on the other side and I'm curious as to when and you, you spend all this time, you know, working on yourself and helping your kids. At what point do you say, okay, I'm going to now put what I have been through and help entrepreneurs? Like what was that transition like for you to, you know, start your own business outside of, you know, being a, a real estate agent, how did you, how did you get into helping other entrepreneurs as an entrepreneur? So, uh, that came with, again, that mindset shift. So I started asking myself the question of when something would go wrong or when I was involved with something like, okay, well, what did I learn from it? And what can I take to the next stage? So when I got into real estate, the whole reason for it was obviously to make a lot of money, <laughs> but so I would have more flexibility with my kids because I was a single mom at the time. And um, I realized that I needed some extra help. So I joined a team that ended up not working out. Um, I learned a lot from them. It just wasn't, I wasn't on the right seat on, on the bus. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So after about six months, I, um, I left that, went back to being a solo agent, and then I was offered a position at the brokerage that I worked at the time as their agent coordinator. Um, and so I was like, you know, I need something that's a little bit more steady. I'm more, you know, I have a medical degree. I used to do administration. I, I, I can do this in my hands, tap behind my back, right? Yeah. So, um, so what I did was I was like, okay, um, I joined the team for a reason. Like, why did I join the team? What did I learn from that? And what I realized was, is I really dove into their training and the pieces that they did have. And in taking this role, I was now going to be able to help other new agents and people that were coming into the brokerage and give them the tools that I used, but be able to help them skip steps. Mm -hmm. I've always been a learner and a teacher. So I love learning things and then teaching people ways to get to it, but skip a few steps in between yeah. <laughs> and make it a little bit easier. So when I took the role, I fell in love with it. Um, I sincerely enjoyed helping people get set up, helping people get prepared in their business. I started teaching classes at the brokerage. I took over the tech committee side and started doing that. I just really enjoyed that. And then from there, what I realized was, unfortunately, in the corporate situation, um, when you're a doer, people keep putting more things on you, right? Yep. And yep. at that time, I was like, I'll take more stuff because I get bored uh, when things are, are the same, right? I'm really good at creating habits. Yeah. And once something becomes a habit, I can add more to my plate, right? Because then it's more systematic for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. And then once I got to the point to where so much was being put on my plate that I couldn't do what I enjoyed, which was helping other agents, 
things really started hitting me. And that's when I realized, okay, being in the corporate world is not working for me. And so my husband and I sat down and had a conversation and he was like, look, I know that you enjoy helping people. You're really great at helping people. He's like, but every time that you come home, you're miserable. You're constantly complaining. You're constantly talking about drama in the office's office. And he's like, mm. you need to get out of that environment. Um, and so that's when we um, started talking about, well, what could I do? And he was like, well, why don't you do what you do now, but get paid for it the way you want to. And I was like, okay, well, we'll try that out. So, um, so I started out um, with a, about 12 people ended up being um, in my office at the time. And I started working with them on the side and I was like, man, I really, really enjoy this. And um, I tried staying on the corporate side. It just, it did become more drama. I told them that I was drowning. The boundaries were not there. Nobody was mm -hmm. respecting them. And so I finally made the decision to move out of that space yeah, um, and went into the entrepreneurial role um, full time. And what ended up happening was, again, I sat down and I was like, okay, I did this for a reason. What lessons can I learn from that that I can now take with me? And so I would take the pros and cons and I'd be like, okay, well, I enjoy doing this, 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 and this, but not this. And so that actually kind of helped me define what I wanted to do in my life, because I was able to take the differences between what I liked and what I didn't like and keep refining it. So I did it when I got into real estate. I did it when I joined the team and I did it when I took the office position and yeah. it was like, okay, so I don't like all these things, but I really love these things. Yeah. And so I just kind of kept perfecting for lack of better terms, um, improving my business toward that direction and staying away from the no's and keep going toward the yeses. Um, and it's, I enjoy it more than anything because uh, I love to see other people succeed. And yeah. a lot of people that I work with are really great at relationships. That's a lot of what, uh, especially sales-based businesses are, is that relationship, um, and while a lot of people are great at that, they're not always great at the back end. They're not always great at their tasks or their habits or their daily to do's, right? Um, or their paperwork. Yeah. And they could even have a great person that's working with them. But if they don't know how to delegate and set up those things for that person, they still run into these issues where things aren't getting done. And that's yeah. where I come in because yeah. I thoroughly enjoy that piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I, I feel like I've always learned the hard way when it comes to that, but you know, it's like, if I, you know, have always been told when we, the business we had prior, I would just not let go and give control or even delegate. And I remember when I finally did, I didn't have the right systems in place. And so mm -hmm. when they would quote unquote fail or it would not work out, I, I could not see that, well, Shannon, you didn't set up any systems. You didn't set it up so that the flow would be there or anything. So yeah. once you, you're so right. And, and I understand that nowadays, but you know, if you don't have the systems in place and a lot of people don't want to take the time to put the systems in place, but it saves mm -hmm. you so much time on the, on the back end. <laughs> yeah. You started this and then you, that became, you started that business and then mm -hmm. that became, you know, how you're helping these other people, which I'm sitting here thinking what you also did was probably help a lot of people from uh, preventing burnout is what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. That's so common with entrepreneurs is burnout. How do you, what, what systems do you have in place yourself? If there's maybe a couple of really great ones you can talk about that prevents you from getting back there or from having burnout from helping others. So I would definitely say um, the, the biggest thing that, that helps is one, I know what I enjoy and I know what I don't enjoy. And the tasks that I don't enjoy, I find a way to either get them done first thing in the morning. So it's out of the way or get someone else to do it. Yeah. So that but I don't have to. And that's kind of the reason why I created the business was because I know a lot of people don't want to do those kinds of things. So if someone can come in and take control of it and then just set it up and be like, Hey, this is how it works. Right. Yeah. Um, 
it keeps you from being like, oh, I can't do this. So that's definitely one thing is I do make a list of some of the stuff and I'm like, okay, just get it done, get it out of the way. Um, the other, the other thing that I do is I give myself space. That is a really big one for me that as a workaholic, especially in our society, um, mm -hmm. I had to learn to reverse. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. When I started in the business and things were kind of slow and I was trying to kind of get things going, I was always trying to find something to do because if my mm -hmm. calendar was not full. I was not accomplishing things. And then I felt like crap. Right. Um, what I ended up doing is I flipped that. So I come up with the three main tasks that I need to work on that day. And I put it on my calendar. If I have more, I kind of put it in there. However, if I know that I'm kind of having a crappy day, like especially for women, right? We go through the cycles. And yep. like the other day I woke up, I knew I had things I needed to get done, but I just was not there. I was like, okay, I'm going to get these two tasks done so I can take an early lunch. And because I'm not hungry, I'm going to take a 45 minute nap and I'm going to be okay with that. And so that's what I did. And when I got up, I was like, you know what? I feel a little better. I'm proud of myself for completing my morning yes. task so I could take a nap. Now, what can I do to finish out the day? And I tell that to a lot of people that I work with because that's a huge thing that I feel like I get asked constantly is like, well, I, I didn't accomplish anything. And I'm like, well, you didn't. Well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, what's one thing you could say that you accomplished? And it's so funny every time I ask this question because immediately people go to the big thing that they completed, right? And you'll see people have like this blank stare while they're trying to think. And I'm like, let me stop you. Did you get up when your alarm went off this morning? They're like, well, yeah. I'm like, congratulations. You got up instead of staying in bed. I'm like, did you, did you make your bed when you got did up? You make your you bed. Up, right. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, congratulations. You took the time to make your bed so that you have a clean bed when you go to sleep. Yeah. Right. And so that's the thing that I try to teach people is to, Go back into your day, especially when you get partway through your day and you're like, this sucks. I have 10,000 things that still need to be done. I haven't accomplished crap for today. Stop yourself and ask yourself, okay, what have I accomplished already that I can be proud of? Mm. And celebrate those small, small things. Because ultimately, it's the small things that we do that get us to our big goals. We don't create a big goal and go, oh. I'm there, right? If you think about it, people that have three and five year and 10 year goals down the road, there's all of these small things that they had to do that build up to that big goal that get them there. Yeah. And we forget that because in our society, people celebrate the big wins. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's a bad thing, but people get caught up in celebrating those big wins. And so when they don't have that, they feel defeated. When you feel defeated, you don't want to get your day done. When you don't want to get your day done, guess what? Your next day is going to be even harder to get back into motivation and back into habit to get things done. So if you can find things that make you happier, that you can be proud of and actually celebrate it, not just be like, oh, well, I did this. Yay. Like literally feel it and be excited for yourself that can actually help push you forward to finish out your day strong. And mm. then when you go to bed, you can go through those things again. I, I can't believe it. I didn't think I was even going to get two things done. I got four things done because I took the time to take, get up and take a walk, right? Or I took the time to meditate for 10 minutes and get my head back on. Or I took the time to actually give myself a break because I know I'm overworking. But when you celebrate that, it's interesting how when you get up the next day, the crap from the day before that was beating you down is not lingering and you can start the day a lot fresher yeah. in that mindset. I, I recently read an article about mental health and entrepreneurs and they were talking about how if there's a launch and your, your product launch, you know, whatever it is, some kind of a launch and you're working, you know, you have these to-do lists of these things that need to happen in order for the launch to happen. Mm -hmm. And I read where there's all this excitement and push, push, push and adrenaline. And then the launch happens and then they, there's a, like a high rate. I don't know what it is, but there's a high rate of, you know, feeling down and depressed because 
we're in the mindset of not celebrating the launch or even mm -hmm. not celebrating the to-do list every day that it took for six months to a year to get the launch. So yeah. everything you're saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, that completely yeah. resonates. And that's, it's some of the things that we need to have in place to celebrate even those three things that you did, because yes, it's going to contribute to the, the big goal. And then mm -hmm. when you get there, you need to celebrate that too. And we don't do that. We yeah. don't. We're yeah. just looking and, for, okay, what's next? What's next? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is, is, uh, especially for those that let's say you did launch something or you're offering a new program, wherever the case may be. Um, a lot of times when people don't get the results from that, they go down a spiral as well. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that we can do is tie our goals yeah. and our daily habits to that result. So again, it's reframing that mindset of like, okay, I only had one person sign up. I was hoping for six, yeah. but I got it off the ground. I got it launched on time. I got it done. And now I know what I can fix for next time. Yeah. Right? So it's finding those pieces to push it because everything that you do in life is a lesson. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I say, you know, that my abuse was, while I don't think, I don't want it to happen to people, right? You can choose how everything happens in your life. And you can choose to learn the lesson from it and learn to grow, or you can choose to ruminate on it and you're going to say stuck. This episode is brought to you by Havenly. Havenly is the resource we used when we wanted some design help. We wanted some help to acquire that coastal surfer bungalow look that we wanted in our little home by the sea. Havenly allows you to use the services of a professional designer virtually you're able to choose your budget and your designer works along with you with that budget. The process was super easy and now our space, which was once an idea, is now a reality. If you're looking to freshen up your space for the new year, head over to arneradventures.com slash Havenly. There you'll find our link and discount code to save on your design package. That's arneradventures.com slash Havenly. And now back to the show. For the rest of your life. Mm, that's great advice. That's really great advice, especially for someone who may be experiencing that right now to hear that, you mm -hmm. know, to, to say, okay, I, yes, it's going to, it's going to be tough, but it, you know, in the long run, again, like so much of what we're, we're, we've talked about today, getting out of that, it's definitely a challenge and a journey, but the end result is going to be so much better than staying in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so thinking about, you know, ways of simplicity and systems and all of that stuff, are there simple ways that you can recommend that we, you know, have more joy in our lives, whether it's our bit, and I, I don't like to always tie, I don't like to do it ever because I did it for so long to tie in our value or our joy just with our business, right? Mm -hmm. So outside of that, and maybe you can talk about ways that you do it. What ways do you recommend that people stop and bring joy to their life? Simple ways that, you know, in their day to day. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say that one of the biggest things that I did for the longest time to help me just start seeing things differently was immediately when I wake up before I get out of bed, I would thank the universe, God, whatever you like, mm -hmm. but I would thank for, be thankful for three things. I got to take a hot shower last night. I got, I have heat in my house, so I'm not cold. My kids are at home with me. Right. And I would make sure that it was something different, three things different every single morning could not be the same. And it's interesting mm. how at first it's very difficult because again, we start thinking of the bigger things. Yeah. And then when you start thinking of the smaller things, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm thankful I have a roof over my head. Yeah. I'm thankful that, you know, and it's funny because then I started doing that. Like when I'm driving, I would be driving down the road and I would see someone with like a car that's, you know, partially crunched in the front. And I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm like, I am so thankful to have a car mm. like I do that is not in that situation. I'm yeah. thankful for that person. But I'm so thankful that I'm in this situation. Right. And so I would just find little things that instead of it ticking me off, I would find a way to be grateful of it. Mm. And I started doing that every day. And then I started in the evenings 
when I got done with work or before I went to bed, I would write out five things that I was happy that I accomplished. And it could be business, personal, whatever the case may be. But that was that was it. And so that's what I started with. Um, just to get myself in the habit of starting to notice the positive things, because for some reason, our brains are wired to recognize the negative a yeah. hundred times easier than it is the positive. But yeah. if you start doing small positive habits like that on a daily basis, it's interesting how it starts to shift and it's so much easier. Like I find myself giggling when I'm in traffic and I'm like, okay, you're in a hurry. It's fine. Go ahead. You know, instead of getting frustrated with it. Right. Or, um, if I'm dealing with someone and I feel like they're not listening to the message, I'm like, okay, it's fine. They, they're probably just having a bad day. Like I did what I was supposed to do. I tried to help as best as, as I could. Right. And so I hold myself to my own standards instead mm. of looking for the standards that I think other oh. people are expecting from me. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> that is so good. Holding, holding yourself to those standards too. That, yeah, that's really good. Even in really, and I had a therapist tell me this too. We're talking about setting a gratitude practice into place. And I remember just in really, really dark times and she would say those things. Well, I mean, do you have a roof over your head? Are you breathing right now? And so I always think about those things. But what I love that you said is it not being the same thing because there mm -hmm. are so many things, but sometimes we are so uh, wrapped up in all this negativity that you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm breathing. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be breathing. And then mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're not looking at all the other things. So yes, it's great to be thankful for that, but there are so many things in your life. And, oh, that's, I think that's really great. And you know, when you were talking about setting, uh, holding your, holding yourself accountable, holding yourself to the same standards that you hold others, that is eye-opening. I think then I think what would happen, and I'm going to start doing that, is giving others more grace and then mm -hmm. giving yourself more grace to just say, okay, like it's not that big of a deal. And I love what, mm -hmm. when you're in traffic and you say, okay, you're in a hurry. Like I'm thinking I totally do the opposite. <laughs> My, my reaction does not match the, you know, what, ha you know, what happened. So, oh no, I totally, I totally get that. And I, I still have days, right? Like I'm not, it's not perfect. I have days where I'm in a hurry, things are crazy and I'm going through the motions instead of being aware of the day. Right. And I'm like, oh, and I get frustrated. Um, but it, it's a lot easier for me to be frustrated for an instant and then yeah. come back down versus yeah. ruminating on it and being stuck in it to where it ruins my entire day. That's, yeah. that's the difference in, in that. And that's something that I tell my children, which my oldest one for the longest time rolled his eyes at me because he would come in and he'd be like, oh, today was horrible. And I'm like, really? Your whole day? I'm like, well, what happened? And so I'd make him tell me. And I'm like, okay, so what you're telling me is this actually happened here, but then your afternoon was better. And he's like, really? And I'm like, okay, so it was a moment in your day that sucked it wasn't yeah. a day you have to be aware of that um yeah. but but now he does it and i've caught him saying it to me before and he was like oh was it that bad i'm like don't start <laughs> but yeah um but it, but it is it's, it's seeing that difference of yeah going through the motions on a day-to-day -day basis and not being present versus taking a moment and sitting in it, if it frustrates you, right, and be angry for a couple of minutes and be like, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. It's time to move on. Like, I don't have time for this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and that's the biggest similar. thing. It's very similar to seeing, I'm not even talking about social media, but it could be in person or whatever, but getting praise for something and one person says something negative and that's what you focus on. Yes. And it's like, oh, it was terrible. It was just <laughs> terrible. Well, who said it was terrible? Well, that one guy, well, what did everybody else say? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it is, it it's is so, so interesting that we do focus on the negative and it is a mm -hmm. working process to change that mindset for sure. Yeah. And I work on it all the time. And mm -hmm. I, like I said, I'm just more aware now of what is going on in my body or what mm -hmm. is going on in my head. So that I don't allow it to consume my entire mm -hmm. day. Right. Yeah. So if I wake up and I'm like, Ooh, I am not in a good mood. <laughs> I know I'm not in a good mood. Like instead of beating myself up, I'm like, okay, 
fine. This happens. Everyone goes through cycles. What can I get done to at least be happy to get something done? Yeah. And then where can I give myself space? And I've done that before where I'm like, you know what? I, I've got to get up. I need to get out of the house. And I go drive down the road. We've got a couple of um, greenway areas that we can go walk. And I'll go sit mm -hmm. by the water. Um, mm -hmm. Even in the cold, I take a blanket and I'll just sit there. And I close my eyes, no phone, nothing. And I just sit and listen to nature. That's a big one for me. I love being in nature. That's very yeah. calming and it helps me reset. Yeah. And so that's what I'll do. And I will be out there for 10, 15 minutes. And I will just sit there with my thoughts and let them come through and then ask myself questions like, okay, why are you thinking this? Or why are you stuck on that? Right. Um, for me, what I tell people is when you're working through things that are in your head, this is an interesting piece for me. In order for me to change the thought pattern, I have to create a new belief. But that sounds a, a really simple for most people, right? Like, oh, well, then you just think it differently. That didn't work for me, right? So what I do is in order to disprove my old belief, I have to find the proof that it's a liar. Mm-hmm. So uh, like for a little while, I went through a phase where like I wasn't really doing much in my business and I just felt like a complete failure. Yeah. And and my brain was like, oh, look, you're doing it again. You're going to have to go back in corporate like you did before. And I was like, no, 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 because I've done this, this, this. Then I'm like, no, so you're you're a lie. You're not a true belief anymore. You're just an old belief that's stuck in my head. You don't matter. So yeah. I look for the evidence so that I can disprove my uh -huh. own beliefs. Uh-huh. That's good, too. <laughs> that, really, that really would help with imposter syndrome to mm -hmm. just, you know, okay, no, 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 that's the lie. Like, where is the truth in all of this? So yeah. that's really great. I do that one a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You have all of these nuggets, you know, for yourself, for other people. And you did mention naps, but what is your... <laughs> Favorite best way to unwind from your day? Ooh, um, <clears throat> honestly, sitting outside, whether mm -hmm. it's in the sun, which I love being in I, the sun, um, yeah. or sitting in the moon. I love to stare <sighs> at the moon and the stars. So oh. even if it's cold outside, I'll wrap up in like two blankets. And my husband thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> I go yeah. out like a little abominable snowman, but I'll, I'll sit there and I don't bring my phone. I'm really big on if I'm going to reset, if I'm going to relax, if I'm going to let go, I cannot stare at my phone. I cannot mm. stare at social media. So I will put my phone up and I will just sit there and um, I will stare at the moon or I'll stare at the stars or I'll stare at the sun. And I'm like, oh, this is so amazing. Like I am so I blessed. That. This is so wonderful. And it's just the simple things that I go back to. And if I'm having a hard day, I'll go through my wins for that day. So that's, yeah. that is probably one of my favorite ways to unwind. Yeah. I love to, that. To sit out and just be outside of the, the constant noise. That's mm -hmm. my favorite. Oh yeah. And there's so many benefits to being outside. We talk about that all the time. It's so great for you. I love, I, I, one of my favorite ways to reset is being outside. I can be stressed out and, you know, I work <laughs> from home most of the time. So if something's going on, I can just walk outside for a few minutes and I just feel so much better. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Well, let's get to your fast five questions. Okay. <laughs> the number one is go for a run or relax in a hammock. Ooh. Well, if you're going to say go for a walk, I would agree with that. Okay. I don't run as much. <laughs> My knees are not um, equipped to run. Um, but I think I would enjoy that more than, than, just sitting in the hammock. Yeah. I like to be very walk. physical. I like to be moving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number two, coffee or wine? Oh, uh, definitely coffee. I am okay. not, a, I'm not a huge wine person. Number three, and I know the answer to this already. <laughs> dine al fresco or indoors? Definitely, definitely dine al fresco. Okay. I, I was gonna say, me... oh, you're thinking about it. So I don't know. I was like, okay. I was like, like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, yeah. Any, anytime besides yeah. being indoors. <laughs> Attend a party or host a party? Oh, let's see. <laughs> I think I would rather host the party. Um, I love, I don't mind attending parties. I'm a lot 
more reserved than I used to be. So before uh-huh. my answer would be attend the party and be the center of attention. Uh-huh. Uh, now, now not so much. I am very aware of what's going on and who I'm around and who I have conversations with. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm not big on small talk. I enjoy deep conversations. So hosting mm. it would allow me to kind of be the, I the think hosting of it. it too, hosting the party sort of sets you up as you're in the right place in your life to be, mm-hmm. you know, leading other entrepreneurs through, you know, a, a wonderful time in their lives. So I think that's, that's really great. Okay. Number five, Jerry thinks this is the most important question. If you've ever heard the podcast, <laughs> you already know it, but it's ketchup or mustard. Oh. <laughs> I thought this was so funny when I heard this on your podcast. (laughs) Um, So for me, it definitely has to be ketchup. I'm not a huge mustard fan unless it's like honey Dijon. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. Jerry really loves Dijon mustard. I I always call that the weird mustard, but I I just don't like, I don't like anything messing with my mustard. I just want plain mustard. But yeah, that's so funny. That question is so interesting. Every time we ask it, it seems so simple. But everyone has a certain reason why they choose the one that they choose. So it's really interesting. Okay. And the most important question we think that we ask everyone is, Kat, what does a life well lived mean to you? Oh, a life well lived. I think a life well lived for me is going after your aspirations and your dreams. And even if you find out that it's not what you want to continue doing, or it's not the direction your life ends up going, knowing that you tried and knowing that you went for it, um, it is a life well lived versus just following along with society and what everybody else tells you to do. Yeah. I love that. That's really great advice for, for anyone too. just understanding that there is no norm. I'm doing my finger quotes, but the the norm, uh, there, there is no norm. You know, if you go and especially if you go outside of what you think is the norm, you're going to live this more fulfilling life. I think that's beautiful. I love that answer. Okay. So before we part, please (laughs) tell our audience where they can find you, how they can get connected to work with you. Awesome. Um, so I am, I am on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can find me at agent services plus that's the easiest way. Um, or you can visit my website, which is agent services Um, there's a way to connect with me on there, but I always answer my messages as well, or you can check me out on my podcast and follow along for business advice and <laughs> great <Yes>. conversations. <laughs> yes, that's right. So your podcast is real chat with cat. Mm-hmm. And is it all, and we'll link all this in the show notes too, but is it on, uh, on most of the platforms people listen to it on? Yes. Yes. So it's on all the platforms. So Apple, Google, Spotify, it's on um, all of those. I do host it through Podbean if anybody follows it that, but it is on the major platforms too. And I love, I love that you, what you do in, in real life, uh, (laughs) in helping entrepreneurs, you bring people on, right. Who are entrepreneurs or business minded. And you guys just have this conversation and learn from Mm -hmm. each other. Almost like a, the way I picture it sort of is like a think tank, uh, inside of a podcast. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And sometimes it goes way offhand. Um, um, (laughs) and we just have random conversations, but it's really interesting the, the direction that things take. And there's always some nugget somewhere for somebody's business, whether it's how they niched their business, the reason mm-hmm. that they got into it, um, yeah. how they found their passion or mindset is definitely a big one that I discuss with a lot of people. I love to hear the different ways that they deal with things, how they've grown and how they see things in a different perspective. Cause I think yeah. that's very important for people to realize that yeah. no two perspectives are the same. Um, yeah. And if you can accept that instead of expecting people to understand what you're saying and learn to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really helps with um, being more open and understanding instead of being frustrated and irritated constantly. Yes. And to understand that there are so many different paths that people mm-hmm. are on and that they take. And 
I think that your path is beautiful. And I'm so excited that you were here today to <laughs> talk you. about it. So thank you so much for this chat. It was just a pleasure. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. Well, what did I tell you? She was, Kat was just so motivational, so inspiring. You know, we talk about it all the time, but digging into mindset, that's something that we're so interested in, right? Yeah. And it's always so intriguing to hear how some people, you know, we all go through challenges in life. All of us. I don't know one person that, that doesn't. Yeah. And But I, I, I love these stories of people who take these challenging situations and rise from it and, and not just rise from it, but use it in this really positive way to help other people. Uh, yeah. And we, we get a lot of those. We always enjoy that, that kind of thing. She was, she was really authentic about her, her relationships with her kids. And, and, uh, I, I really thought that was cool and getting out of a bad situation and, uh, stopping the cycle of abuse from continuing. Yeah. And her, that's huge. Yeah. That, that is, that is, that's a real common thing with, uh, that we delve into. And, um, I mean, the whole story was just really cool. Really admirable. I agree. If this episode resonated with you, or if you know of someone who would benefit from anything we talked about today, or any episode, our guests, or anything, please share it with a friend. It's a great way of supporting the podcast and us, and we really appreciate it. Another way of supporting the pod is by leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on the platform you're listening to us on. Oh, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button because that also supports us. We would love that. You can always find us, links we refer to during the show, and any of the podcast sponsors at arnardventures.com or linked here in these show notes. And until next time, enjoy that journey you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Adios. Arrivederci. Au revoir. Adios. Uh, sayonara. Alvida Zen. Uh, dos Vidiniana. And a Bye. Bye.